God really does love us. We're His children. We're His sons and His daughters. And He has a plan for us to keep us growing and coming to healthier and stronger places. Anybody, anybody want to go healthier and stronger? Anybody? Anybody say, I'd rather be sick and weaker. Anybody want to be sick? No. <laughs> we want to be healthier and stronger in the Lord. Amen? Amen. And I'm excited already today. We won't get into all that, but we've had a couple of different people. Uh, one person testified that the Lord has healed them of a blood clot on the brain this morning. Peggy Sue, wave at everybody. Say hallelujah. Woo! That's, that's a, that is a good thing. Miss Debbie came back. Her report, no cancer. We're praise the Lord for that. Amen. Amen. So I'm just telling you, God is doing, um, God's doing great things, and I want to be part of every uh, great thing that God is going to do. Amen? So today we're starting a new series. I want to encourage you, and I want to invite you to be here with us for the next, uh, over the next six weeks. I know the holiday season comes, uh, comes around, and people start wanting to enjoy the cooler weather, and enjoying the rain, and all that kind of stuff, and travel, and all those different things. But I, I really do. I want to encourage you to be here. Our series, our new series is called Finish Strong. Finish Strong. And um, I really believe that that's what God wants to, uh, to do. You know, when Corey was talking a minute ago, I was reminded that when we started this year, God gave us a word, and that word was to climb, okay? Does anybody remember that word, climb? Remember going higher and, and, and experiencing new things and getting new perspectives in the Lord? And How many people feel like you've been on a climb this year? Is anybody like, uh, sometimes it's been straight up the cliff, you know, and other times it's been, uh, we've been able to get to a, a point where we could look over and see just great things and see beautiful things and experience things things that we've never experienced, and then sometimes it's like, Lord, just help me to hold on. I don't want to fall right from where I'm at. But it's been a journey. It's been a climb, and I, and I really do believe that God's got some even greater things for us. But you know, while I was, I was thinking about this, and then Corey mentioned kind of that, that movement of the Lord, I ran across a scripture this week in Matthew chapter 5, beginning in verse, uh, in the Message Bible, okay, from the Message Translation of the Bible. I don't know that I'd ever read this a lot. Like this before, but I love what it says. It says, When Jesus saw his ministry drawing huge crowds, he climbed a hillside. How many people? Jesus was a climber, all right? It says, And those who apprenticed to him, the committed, and his disciples, okay, they climbed with him. So if we're going to be disciples of Jesus Christ, if we're going to be followers of Jesus Christ, then we're going to be climbers. We're going to climb with him. How many people say, where Jesus goes, that's where I'm going, right? If he don't go, I'm not going, okay? So, and it says, and arriving at a quiet place, he sat down and he taught his climbing companions. Anybody, wouldn't that be so cool just to gather around like we're going to do tonight? Sit around the, the, the fire pit and just have Jesus kind of just teach us, just, uh, just speak to us out of his heart, just bring an impartation to us. And I believe that's really what Jesus wants to do. So how many people want to be Jesus's climbing companions? Anybody? I say, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to climb with Jesus, all right? And, and that's the way we want to live our lives. It's, it's what we want to do. We want to keep on climbing. We don't want to just start climbing and stop climbing. You know, we, we want to keep climbing and we want to finish strong. Finish strong. I, I want to I get to the top of the mountain. I want to go. I want to be where Jesus is at. I, wanna, I, wanna, I, wanna, I don't want to just kind of barely make it through life. I want to finish strong. Amen? And I believe that's God's, uh, God's plan for us. And, and my desire is that today, 
okay, before we leave this place, that each and every person here, okay, now turn to somebody and say, he's talking about you. Go ahead and just tell them, say, he's, he's talking about you this morning, all right? Some of you didn't turn. I'm still talking about you this morning, all right? That each and every person here, I want to challenge you to make a decision that says, I'm going to finish strong. I'm going to finish strong in every area of my life, wherever God's put me and placed me and brought me, I'm going to finish strong. And I, I believe if we do that, that we'll be following in the example of people that just fill the scriptures. And as I was reading and studying about this, let, just, just think about this for a second. Okay, ready? That uh, Noah finished the ark. Moses finished delivering God's people from Egyptian bondage. Joshua finished leading the children of Israel into the promised land. David finished off Goliath, right? How about that? He just took his head right off there. So uh, Solomon finished the temple. Nehemiah finished the wall around Jerusalem. Daniel finished his life of faithfulness and he converted a whole nation, a pagan nation at that. Finishing was something that's always been a part of the heroes of faith. And I believe that God's got us planted in this earth, in the generation today, to be heroes of faith. To be an example and an encouragement to others to live the lives that God wants them to live. Amen? I mean, people agree with that? Good, good, good. In the New Testament, we continue to find out that finishing strong is a very important principle. As a matter of fact, I think we look at the life of John the Baptist and we see that John the Baptist finished strong, okay? He finished preparing the way for Jesus. And, and we know that Jesus, right, we can even uh, remember hearing him say, Jesus was all about finishing strong. As a matter of fact, in John 4.34, the scripture says this, it says that Jesus said to his disciples, to those who were following him, my food is to do the will of him who sent me. Now I've heard this scripture a multitude of times. I've quoted it a number of times. But you know, until this past week, I didn't realize that that's not the whole scripture. Anybody here know that sometimes we don't quote the whole scripture? All right. Anybody here, I, sometimes I get into that. We just get our little favorite parts and pieces of scripture. But it says that Jesus said, my meat, okay, the thing that nourishes me, the thing that feeds me and strengthens me is to do the will of God and to finish the work that he sent me to do, to finish. Jesus was a finisher. John 5, 36, he says, but I have a greater witness than John's for the works which the Father has given me to finish, those very works that I do, and they bear witness. They show that the Father has sent me. Okay, one of the things that proves that we're sons and daughters of God is that we don't just start the work, start the life, start the things that God sent us to do, but we complete them. We finish them. We go the whole journey. Amen? We're good finishers. In John 17, 4, of course, John chapter 17 is the section of Scripture where Jesus is really, uh, some people call this the real Lord's Prayer, where Jesus is praying for his disciples. He's praying for his followers. He's praying for you and me. And he says this, he says, I have glorified you, Father on earth, and I have finished the work which you have given me to do. Don't you think that was pretty cool that Jesus could stand in front of his father and just go, Father, I've finished what you've told me to do. I've finished that. So uh, how many people would ever like to just hear that from their children? I have finished. <laughs> go clean your room. All right. You, are you, you're done already? Wait a minute. You, how did you get done? And you walk in there. And that's No, 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 no. Just pulling the covers up on the beds, not making the bed, right? So not. Uh, I don't know about you. We've got things around our house. When we first... Um, 
built our house about oh what eight seventeen years ago we uh, we thought about maybe we'd put sills in the other day I was doing some things in the garage and I found those those sills those wood sills laying in the corner I thought well you know what forget finishing they're just finished we'll just throw them out right they go to the burn <laughs> but we want to be good finishers all right in John 19 the scripture says this is after this Jesus knowing that all things were now accomplished Jesus is on the cross here Knowing that things are now accomplished, that they're finished, he says, I thirst. And after that, he makes a very famous statement. He's hanging on the cross, and it says, when Jesus had received the sour wine, he said, it is finished. And he bowed his head, and he gave up the, his, he gave up the Spirit. He did everything that God had assigned for him to do here on the earth. Everything that could bless us, that could save us, that could redeem us, that could change and could transform our lives. Anybody glad that Jesus finished the work God sent him to do? I am. I really am. So, so following in this example, we see in the New Testament that Paul, in Acts chapter 20, Paul, there's a, they're describing the story of Paul, and Paul, um, he begins to talk about how that he had to finish what God had put him on the earth to do. We, we knew that he was diligent about the things that God had, that he'd always been kind of a diligent man, even when he was persecuting the church, he was diligent. But now he became diligent to finish the things of, of God. In Acts chapter 20, it says this, it says, And now behold, I'm going to Jerusalem, constrained by the Spirit, not knowing what will happen to me, except that the Holy Spirit testifies to me that in every city imprisonment and afflictions await me. But I do not count my life of any value, nor is precious to myself, if only I may finish my course and the ministry that I have received from the Lord Jesus to testify of the gospel of the grace of God. Paul said, I've set my heart to be a finisher. And then as he comes to the close of his life, in, in Timothy... Uh, in Timothy chapter 4, verse 7, uh, Paul says this. He's writing to his, um, to his son in the faith, and he says, Hey, Timothy, listen. I am so glad to report to you that I have fought the good fight. I've finished the race. I have kept the faith. I've kept the faith. Does anybody here have a desire in their heart that says, Someday, I'm going to stand before God, and when I stand before God, I want to be able to look at Him and go, God, I finished the race. I, I kept the faith. I completed what you sent me to do. I, I, I was the husband that you wanted me to be. I was the father that you wanted me to be. I was the man of God. I was the woman of God. I was the, the witness. I was the disciple. I was everything you wanted me to be. Man, I pray. Man, I know that's your desire. I, I want that. How many other people want that? Does anybody want that in your life? I want that. I want that for you. To be able to be a great finisher. And not just at the end of our life. Okay? It's not just about, well, when I get to the end of my life, I'm just going to finish strong. If we're going to do that, then that means every step along the way, we've got to be people who are focused on finishing that portion and that part of the journey. So right where you're at, right now, God's saying to you, I want you to finish and to finish strong. For that to happen today, I want to I share the three C's, the three C's of finishing strong. You ready? You got your pens out, you got your iPads or your phones or whatever you take notes on. I want to give you three C's to finish strong and we're going to take them from this section of scripture right here in Acts chapter 20. Beginning in verse 22, Paul, again, we've just read this, he says, And now, behold, I'm going to Jerusalem, constrained by the Spirit, not knowing what will happen to me. 
Paul saying to his friends there, and he's saying, look, I don't know what's going to go on, but, but I know that the Lord has said to me that I must go to Jerusalem. You see, here's the, the first point of um, the first C, is that we've got to have some core commitments and convictions in our lives. We've got to have some core commitments and convictions in our lives. And it, and it, it really does take both. Because sometimes people are committed to do some things, but not really convicted that that's what they should do. Okay, I, I think about in the world in which we live today, that there are people who, um, that they're committed to go to work. <coughs> Excuse me, they're committed to go to work because if you don't go to work, you don't get a paycheck. But they're not convicted about how they work when they're at work. All right, maybe you've heard the old statement that says, a lot of people want work until they find a job. Yeah, you know what I'm talking about. <laughs> oh man, I'll do anything. I'll work anything. And then they get a job. It's like, no, I don't want to do this. I just want the pay. I just want the reward. And God's saying, hey, that's not who we are. You see, commitment and conviction go hand in hand. It's not just what I do, but it's what I do because of who I am. There's a conviction in my heart that says, I am who God wants me to be. Whether I'm on the job, or I'm, I'm in my house, or I'm, I'm by myself, that there's a core conviction that comes out in my life. You know, this, uh, this thing about work, in, in our world today, this issue of work ethic is really, it's really a big deal that's going on. I've talked to a number of different business owners, and, and, and their, their, their comments are that, that there's just a poor work ethic in the world today, that, that nobody really wants to work. Um, even part of uh, the debate the other night, they were talking about that, that, that people that don't want to do certain tasks and jobs, and, and I think that it doesn't just reflect reflect on a, a work ethic. It doesn't just reflect on not having a commitment to work, but it reflects on a, a conviction. It reflects on a core value of who we are. Listen, folks, let me tell you, your job does not define who you are. What, what you do in life doesn't make you who you are. You, you can do the most menial task and still do it with righteousness and do it to please the Lord and do it with a right heart and, and God will be honored and you can still have a sense of dignity and respect about who you are. See, that's what God wants in our lives. But I think people lack a conviction of how I work from who I am. How I, I do what I do because of who I am, not because of what the job is. Amen? Is anybody, is that, am I making that clear? Is everybody with me on the same page that, that, that it really is? If you're, if you're standing behind a counter and, and you're, you're selling fast food, look, that doesn't matter. That's not who you are. Who you are is, man, you're a person who's been appointed to a position. You've been appointed to a place. You've got an opportunity to go and to be an influence wherever you are and in everything that you do. Amen? It's who you are that makes a difference, not what you do. And so I'm sure that all of us would say, that's the kind of person I want to be. I want to be, no matter what I'm doing, if I'm raking yards or if I'm, I'm leading the world, you know, if I'm the, I'm the, well, I won't use that example, but if I'm in charge of some really big thing, I start to say, if you're president of the universe, but you know, but, uh, but if I'm doing something that some people would say really important, it's not a matter of, of what we do, it's how we do it because of who we are. 
that counts. It, it, it really does. Whether you're a student, whether you've been on an assignment, you've been given something to do by a, a parent, whether you know, you're, you're working a job, and, and there's a lot of people. It's surprising. The statistics are staggering of how many, I've quoted this a few weeks ago, of how many people hate their jobs. Of how many people feel like that they're stressed and they're frustrated and they're irritated and aggravated because of their jobs. My question is, how much more stressful and aggravating would you be to not have a job? Amen? Man, we've got to get, we got to get a grip on this about that, that the circumstances of our life does not define who we are. God defines who we are. Amen? As Corey was saying just a minute ago, we are His sons. We are His daughters. Hey, I, what did God say to you? I, I mean this. When, when we went through this a few minutes ago, just this time when you were asking the Lord, God, how, how do you feel about me? Did anybody hear anything? Now, raise your hand if you heard something. Okay? For those of you that didn't hear, I'm, I'm sorry. Let me tell you. It's probably not because God didn't speak. And it's just probably because there's a lot of other noise in our minds and hearts. Right? And then he said, what do you like about me? And I've got to, I've got to be honest. Sometimes I'm sitting down here and I really always want to worship and pour myself out in worship. And I believe that part of my responsibility, I don't want anybody to out-worship me. I want to be the lead worshiper here. And so I'm down there and I get my mind on things and getting ready to get up here. And so when I first asked that question, God, what do you like about me? I wasn't really hearing anything, and I was kind of just going through the motions. <clears throat> now, I know nobody's ever gone through the motions before in church, so this is probably a new concept, all right? And nobody's ever showed up and just put a smile on their face and just given somebody a handshake or a hug or a high five and just kind of gone through the motions, right? I know none of you would do that, so if you'll just keep me on your prayer list, I would really put that put right up top there, Pastor Sam, pray for him to, you know. But so I was kind of going through the motions, and all of a sudden I felt this in my heart, like, wait a minute, that's not right. I don't want to go through the motions. I really want to ask you, God, what do you like about me? What do you like about me? And did, when you asked that question, listen, let me, let me say this. If you didn't hear an answer to those questions during service earlier today, go back and ask those questions. Get, get, get quiet this afternoon while your, your um, jalapeno cornbread is baking to bring to the hobo stew tonight. Everybody's bringing jalapeno cornbread, right? And so, okay, while that's baking for the hobo stew tonight, then just, just, just sit in some place and ask the Lord, God, what do you really think about me? You know what? I was surprised. I heard the, you know what the Lord said? He, he told me, and again, this is just, it might not be your thing, but he told me, he goes, I just like that you're excited about life. And I went, really, Lord? Most people, that kind of bugs, kind of irritates them. <laughs> so, I know, you know, it's kind of, it's people that come in and want to talk to me. They want to get counsel. And Pastor Sam, my life is so horrible. And, and then, you know, it's so terrible and so bad. And everything's going downhill. And I was going, oh, really? No, it's not really that bad. And no, God's still in control. No, God's, man, this is a great opportunity for a testimony. And, you know, kind of, but listen, I'm telling you, when God spoke that to me, it just brought this joy to my heart. It's, it's not what we do that identifies who we are. It's who we are that transforms what we do. Amen? So we can really approach everything that we do with a sense of integrity in our heart. I, I believe that being a person of, of integrity, it's foundational to who we are at all times. Listen, without integrity, 
Man, everything else is going to be able to, it's going to be on sinking sand. It's going to get washed away. And, and, and there needs to be some integrity to our lives. We've got a statement that we've used a, a number of times around here. Without integrity, okay, there can't be relationship. And without relationship, then what is there, right? Without a relationship, if you don't have integrity in that relationship with God, if God doesn't have integrity, if I can't really trust that God is who he says he is and that God will do what he says he will do, then how can I put my trust in him? But because he is a God of integrity, then I can put my trust in him. And because we are people of integrity, then we know that what we do can influence the lives of others. Listen, integrity, having integrity, for some reason or another, it's almost like people have got a bad men. If I have integrity, well, I gotta be, that's going to hurt me somehow. Listen, integrity doesn't hurt you. Integrity will bless your life. Amen? That's what God says in Psalm 42, verse 12. He says, but you have upheld me because of my integrity and set me in your presence forever. Anybody want to be in the presence of Lord of the Lord? Anybody want to be in the presence of the Lord? Okay, I know, I know what some of you are thinking. It's like, is this a trick question? Or God saying, are you saying, do I want to die now? And go to, and I'm talking about you want to be in his presence right here while we're, while we're living on earth, right? We want to walk and live in his presence. You know what? Then one of the first ways is just to be a person of integrity. Proverbs chapter 20 verse 7 says this. It says, the righteous who walks in his integrity, blessed are his children after him. You know what? Walking in integrity, the scripture here says, doesn't just bless you. It will bless your heritage. It'll bless your children. It'll bless your children's children. It'll bless your neighbors. It'll bless your friends. It'll bless your workplace. It'll bless your brothers and sisters in the Lord. It'll bless your church. See, integrity will bless others. Proverbs 28 verse 6 says, Better is a poor man who walks in his integrity than a rich man who's crooked in his ways. You know what that says to me? That says to me that, that, that a, a man with integrity, his life will be made rich. He'll be enriched. It's not just the riches of this world. It's not just things you can gain here. But there's a treasure in your life that will make you strong. It'll make you strong. Hey, let, let's talk about another characteristic or trait that can be beneficial to us, all right? Here, here's one that's kind of been stirring on my heart. How many people think that, uh, that we should be happy? <clears throat> okay? I, I believe that, that the Bible says, first of all, happy are the people who know the Lord, you know? Now, I, I would say this, that, that happy, okay, it's not a destination, that someday I'm going to get happy. Someday I'm going to be happy. I'm sure. I'm sure someplace in Texas there's a place named happy. There's every other name in the world, right? There's a city named everything else in the world. How many, somebody tell, is there a city, is, is there a city named happy in Texas? Is there really? <laughs> I, it's, well, maybe happy is a destination though. I guess we'll have to take a field trip. I don't know. <laughs> but I'm telling you, happy is not just a feeling. Happy is not just a someday get there. Happy is a choice. Happy is an attitude. Ha happy is what, what I make a decision that says, today I'm going to have an attitude of gratitude. I'm going to, happy, you know where happy begins? Happy begins in being thankful. Okay, and I know the, hol the, the season of, of Thanksgiving. Um, I actually went into a house recently to visit and saw that people, have, somebody already has their Christmas tree up. <laughs> Now, I, I left that house praying for them. I did. 
there was there was just something wrong about that. But they said they they said they just could they just could not wait. And so so I, I know we're November first. That still blows my mind that we're in November first. And and uh, and but, but we're thinking we'll be thinking about Thanksgiving. And that's really uh, that's really why we're having uh, the hobo stew here tonight. Uh, I I put this in my notes. I wrote down a statement that says hobo stew is it's training for gaining. Amen. How many people know the holidays are upon us and we've got to work our way into condition for Thanksgiving, right? So, so tonight, come on out, enjoy some good food, right? It's going to be training for gaining. But you know what? It, it, attitude, okay? It, thankfulness. Are we thankful? Are we, are we thankful that, um, for what God has blessed us with? Are we thankful that, that we get the privilege of being able to come here today? As Chris said, hey, thank you for being here. I'm serious. Thanks for being here. Thanks for your faithfulness. Thanks for your, 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 your faithfulness in, in serving and in giving. But, but listen, thank you for being a thankful people. Because thankfulness is going to, uh, it's going to impact whether we are a people who lives in ha being happy or not. Look, I'm telling you, it was a great day in my life when the Lord showed me my desire. Okay, now I, nobody else can make you happy. All right? Why in the world would you want to give somebody else control of your life to the degree where they could either make you happy, make you sad, make you mad, make you angry? Listen, that's not where it's at. It's in you to make a choice that says, I'm going to be happy today. All right? I've, got, I've just got to tell you, sometimes I've made that choice just to irritate people, right? <laughs> so, you, you want to upset people. You want to make people... I, I remember years ago... Years and years ago, um, in high school, I had a science teacher who was an atheist, and he was just against Christians, and I had just got saved, and, and I was, I, anybody know what I'm talking about? When someone, I was saved and stupid, but, uh, so, right, <laughs> you know, I mean, just crazy saved, you know, like, man, and, you know, wear my Jesus shirts and, and all that kind of stuff, and man, I, this guy, he'd come in, and he would just always be railing on Christians, and so, I'd just sit in class sometimes, I'd get the notes at lunchtime from somebody else who had him earlier, and I'd copy the notes, and I wouldn't take notes. And I'd just sit in class and smile at him. <laughs> so, now, I'm not saying do this. Don't, hey, do not do, okay? I'm not saying it was right. I'm just, but you know what? Happy is a choice, amen? Let's not give somebody else that ability to influence our life and to have control of our life and to, to make us angry. I, I, now, I know some of you are thinking, Pastor Sam, that's easy for you to say. Your life is wonderful. Look, you're married to the most wonderful wo woman in the whole. You're married to the most wonderful woman in the whole world. Look, okay, see how I'm scoring those points there, guys? I'm trying to lead by example. All right. But let me tell you something. When most wonderful reaches over in the middle of the night... And, um, and at this point in time in her life, I don't know how this happens, but, but her hands can be like hot like frying pan. I mean, you know what I'm talking about? And you're, I'm sleeping and she reaches over and puts her frying pan hand on my back. And I can just feel it. I can smell the flesh sizzling. You know what I'm talking about? And I've just, and all of a sudden it's like, woo! And I'm, it's like I can't get away. It's like her, she's like elastic, man. It just knows no matter where I go, if she can reach me, you know, and put her hand on my back. And I was like, can I tell you something? Happy's a choice, all right? <laughs> I'm not saying it's a choice I always make immediately, <laughs> but happy's a choice. It really is.
I, I, then there's times like, like man, the other day, I, I watched this television show sometimes, it's called Tanked. Anybody, they make these uh, aquariums, these big aquariums, and, and I love water and fish and all that kind of stuff. And the other night, the other night I was having, a, just a couple nights ago, I was having this dream. And in this dream, I was diving and, and, and spear fishing. And this is, that's like one of my favorite things in the whole world is to be underwater and chasing. Man, I am chasing this big grouper and this thing. And I've got it lined up and I'm ready to just, you know, spear this fish and have this great success and this great victory. And all of a sudden, I'm underwater and I'm swimming around this corner. And I see something. Look at me. And, when I, and I kind of open my eyes and Yvette's face is like this close to me. It's like it, she's leaning on the bed w watching me while I'm sleeping. I'm just here to tell you, happy's a choice, all right? So <laughs> I was like, and of course there's this, and then, and then the question, right? You awake? I was like, well, uh, I am now. <laughs> I just want to talk to you about something. Really, you couldn't wait till after I speared that fish. <laughs> I mean, I mean, I was, I was so close. I was just getting ready to let go of it. But hey, hey, there's there's always going to be reasons not to be happy. Okay, happy is a choice. Happy is a choice. Anybody go make a choice today? Say, you know what? I'm gonna be happy. Amen. I'm gonna be happy. I'm not gonna let search. Sorry, I'm not gonna let circumstances and situations define who I am. Happy is a choice. And, and let me say this. In, in all sincerity, I know that the situations of your life, the situations of our lives, they're real situations. I, I know that there are real things that go on. I know that they're not easy things that are taking place. I know that the, the culture that we're living in, I know that the, the, just, just this, the, sometimes the economic situation, I know that they're real deals. I know it's not easy. I know some of these relationships that we're dealing with and, and whether it's a relationship with a, with a spouse or with a child or with somebody that we're hoping, you know. I, I mean, I know relationships just aren't always easy. And, and, and for those of you that are thinking, well, someday it'll be easier. And, and I was talking with somebody this morning just before church and then it's just the, 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 the things you deal with in life are, are different. And and, and when you come to a point in life, like where some people in, in my age group are, and, and you go from dealing with children to dealing with parents and to dealing with, with ex, you know, other issues and, and hard decisions, there's always going to be tough stuff, guys. There's always going to be tough stuff that's out there. There's always going to be those transitional things that we, that we deal with. And, but we've got to come to a place of saying, hey, listen, I'm not going to let the situations and the transitions and the issues of life define me. I'm going to let God define who I am. And who I am, because of who I am, is how I'm going to handle these situations. And so I'm going to choose to be happy, even when I'm waiting on God. Even when I'm having to trust God in the issue of timing. I, I don't know where everybody else is at, but for me, that's probably the hardest issue. Timing. So many times I can see the right decision, I can see the right direction, and, and I know where God's going to take us, and I know where we're going to end up, and I, I just don't understand sometimes the timing of God. Why does it take a little longer? Why does it take, why am I still having to wait on that right person? Why am I still having to wait on that, on that, that right job? Why am I still waiting on, on the financial breakthrough? Why am I still waiting on the healing? We just heard one person got healed. What about my healing, God? And so we're waiting on the timing of God. And, and I know it's not easy. I, I, I know that these are not simple things. I know that they're tough things. But, but can I tell you this? 
And with all the love and grace in my heart, I told Chris this week, I said, you know what? I'm going to write a letter. I'm going to be like Paul. I'm going to write a letter. So in the letter, I can be stern and, and straight and direct and hard. And then I can just come up here and say really nice, sweet, precious, wonderful things and tell you how good you are and how nice your hair looks. And those of you that have hair. And, um, <laughs> sorry about that, brother. But, uh, but can I tell you that, that, that being grumpy and being grouchy and being negative, <laughs> that doesn't help anything. Amen? Just being a complainer and a, a grumbler, that doesn't ha- Do everybody a favor. Do yourself a favor, right? Do all the rest. Quit grumbling, quit griping, quit complaining. Shut up, be happy, amen, in the name of Jesus. <laughs> if you say it with a smile, it doesn't hurt, it, right? <laughs> in the name of Jesus, right? Just, just, just you know, get, get some gratitude, man. Get a get hold of a better attitude, right? Okay, your attitude will determine your altitude. So, so get happy, okay? I know that there are a thousand other things we could talk about this, but let me encourage you. Let me Seriously, ask the Holy Spirit. Is there any area where He wants to help you to develop or to strengthen your core convictions and, and commitments so that you can finish strong? Okay, next points are really quick here. Num- number two, you ready? Course correction. Paul said uh, there in Acts chapter 20, verse uh, 23, he says, Except the Holy Spirit testifies to me in every city that imprisonment and afflictions await me. How many people would love to hear that from the Holy Spirit? Hey, I'm sending you on a journey. But listen, just everywhere you go, there's going to be imprisonment and afflictions. (laughs) I'll choose that trip, right? Yeah, thank you, Jesus. So, uh, So Paul says, But I do not count my life of any value, nor is precious to myself, then I may finish my course and the ministry. I'm sure that at the beginning of this year, many of us started some things really strong. Started some diets, right? Ooh, boo, boo, boo. Right? We started devotional programs. We started Bible reading programs. We, we started workouts, right? We started all kinds of things that we started we started maybe trying to overcome some attitudes. We, we started breaking some patterns in our life. We started changing some hat. Did anybody start anything this year? That explains a lot right there. So, right there. <laughs> no, did anybody start anything this year? <laughs> right? Okay, good, good, good. Well, maybe along the way, when we start things, we have a tendency to drift, to, to get off course a little bit. Sometimes we find ourselves, look, we, we were, had a focus and we had determination and direction, but, but now uh, I've, I've, I'm off course somewhere. When uh, Yvette and I, we lived in the Bahamas, there were uh, some guys that worked on a, on a, f- a shipping uh, freight boat. And on this freight boat, when they went from the Bahamas to the United States, they would have to cross something called the jet stream. Okay, anybody ever heard of the jet stream? It goes around, okay. The jet stream. Well, when they would come around that jet stream there, that the, it would influence, influence the course of the waters. When the ships would get into the jet stream, it would move them. The current was so strong that it would move them, and they would constantly have to be making corrections. They'd have to be making these course corrections to stay on target. If not, instead of going through the opening, instead of going into the port, into the harbor, they'd run into the rocks, they'd run into the shore, they'd run into a reef, they would, they would crash and burn. And listen, if we, 
in the same way don't have course corrections in our life, then we're headed for destruction. We're headed for failure. Okay? So God doesn't want us to fail. God wants us to succeed. God wants to bless us. And so Paul sets an example for, for us here about using the circumstances of our life to help us correct and reprioritize, reprioritize our lives. And he reminds us, he says this, he says, listen, our lives are not just about us. I love how he puts that. He says, listen, he says, look, I count my life of no, um, I, he says, I do not count my life of any value nor precious to myself. My life's not about me. Can I, can I lay this out before you today and say, hey, one of the course corrections that we, we get off on is, is we forget that our life really isn't about us. Amen? Our life, my life's not about me. It's, your life's not about you. It's about Jesus, about others. Galatians chapter 2 puts it this way. It says, Paul says, I've been crucified with Christ. It's no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in Christ. It's not my life, it's his life. Amen? It's his life. So, I think we could ask this question. If it's his life... Am I a contributor or a consumer? Okay, am, am I a consumer? Am I just about trying to get all for me? Is life about me or am I a contributor? Is my focus on me? Okay, uh, we all recognize, right? I'm making an assumption here today that we all recognize that we live in a culture that's trying to make consumers out of us all. We, we understand that, right? Anybody, oh, I didn't bring my phone. Of all the days, I meant to bring my phone with me today. I didn't bring my phone. Anybody ever got a new cell phone? Anybody here got a cell phone? Okay, no, nobody here has. Okay, all right. Okay, and you get, a, you get a new phone, or you get a new something, or you get a new, right, you get a new shirt, you get a new, you get a new car, you, whatever it is, and all of a sudden, you go home and you're playing with your phone, you're playing with your, your tablet or your whatever it is, and, and you're, you're enjoying it, and, and you purchased it at a certain price, and you love it, and it's wonderful, and it's great, and your value for it is up here really high, and then the commercial comes on and says, coming out Thursday, brand new i15 phone, right? <laughs> Newest, greatest, best, cheaper than what you paid for it, Right? It's coming out. It's happening soon. And all of a sudden that value goes, oh my gosh, right? Or that car that gets, when it gets its first door ding in it, it's like, oh man, you know, I valued it up here. No, I valued it down here. And what the reason that happens is so that you'll always want something newer, nicer, better, bigger, stronger, faster, right? We, we, that's, that's that consumer in us. They're, they're feeding that. You've got to have something more. You've got to have something more. And listen, God says, hey, listen, we don't have to live like that. God gives us a choice and says, I don't have to live about my, I don't have to live for myself. I don't have to be controlled by money and stuff. And, and, and let me just say here, God's not, God, God, money and stuff doesn't upset God. I personally believe that God wants us to have more money and more stuff than we can even imagine. I, I mean, I, I really do. 
Uh, if it can be used for his glory and for his honor and for his kingdom and for, to reach people and to touch people, why wouldn't he want you to have enough money to go on that mission trip? Why wouldn't he, he want you to have enough money to help give to that? And this would be a great place, okay? To give to the Christmas holiday ministries offering. Why, listen... Why would he not want you to be able to, to give money that's going to be able to influence somebody, not only in our community, but around the world? I'm telling, God wants to bless you for that. God wants to increase you. So it's not about having stuff. It's about stuff having us. And how many times do we get controlled by our stuff? And do we let our identity get controlled by how, where I live and what I drive and what I wear? And, and God's saying, hey, I've got a better plan for you. And, and, and I'm telling you, this consumer mentality, we've we got to watch this. I, what, what, what you've probably seen on the news, what, Thanksgiving Day, the stores are going to open. Some stores are having pre-Thanksgiving Black Friday sales. Now, if we were that unpolitically correct in the church, they would shoot us. Right? <laughs> How can you have a pre-sale on Fr a Black Friday sale if it's not Friday, right? We're having these pre-things, and it's driving consumerism. And can I tell you, we've got to be careful about it happening here in the church. All of a sudden, we, re we think that, that when we come to church, we come to the building, it's about us. It's about what I want. It's about what I like. It's about my preferences. It's my preferences. And that, and that preference drives consumerism. Right? What I prefer, how I prefer, the songs I prefer, the, 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 the temperature that I prefer, the lighting that I prefer, the, 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 the food. I don't want hobo stew. I want tramp food. I want, uh, you know, I want, uh, I, want, I want a buffet. I want this. I want that. And, and it, we make it all about us. And folks, listen, uh, you, you get to have a preference. I get to have a preference, but we heard this at a conference the other day. You get six other days a week, you can prefer anything you want. You got 166 other hours. Okay, you want to listen to some different worship? You want to listen to different style of teaching, preaching? You want to do something different? Have at it, but God's placed you here for a purpose. And you're, you're, it's about placement. It's, it's about being here to serve Him by serving others. Amen? It, it's about saying, hey, listen, if somebody else needs to sit at the back, then I'll move up. I'll move in to make room for people who come late to church, have some kind of a devastating event in their life. Because, well, what other reason could there be from coming late to church than having a devastating event in life? <laughs> right? I mean, that's the only thing I can figure out, right? They, their, their car blew up, right? They had some kind of a, there was a nuclear explosion that took place inside of their house, right? They, somebody broke in and stole all of their church clothes. I, you know, I mean, so, something had to have happened. Because, I mean, there's, what other reason would there be to be late to come and worship Jesus and get to serve people? And Man, because we all want to come early so that we can meet people and shake hands with people and get to know people, maybe even invite somebody to go out to lunch with us, right? Come on, say, come on, Pastor Sam, go ahead, brother, right? <laughs> right? So, seriously, is, is our worship, is our, our coming together, is it about preference or is it about placement? You know, later today, some people may go out to lunch, all right, and may go to a restaurant. 
when you go to that restaurant and you're sitting at that table and and there's going to be a a, a wonderful person that's going to come up and they're going to serve you, okay? A server. I don't know why they're not called waiters anymore. Servers, okay? They're servers. And so I, I know, you know, does anybody ever struggle with this? It's my glass that's only half full. I know she's got 15 other people that she or he is serving, but it's my glass that needs attention. It's mine. It's my. It's me. It's me. It's me. What about me? I'm not getting what I want. I'm not getting treated how I want to be treated. It's me. It's me. It's me. Forget about those other people. We're not going to do that anymore. Amen? Say it with me. No more. Just go ahead and say it. No more. Say it with me. No more. I'm coming back there if you don't say it. All right? No. (laughs) I won't do that. I promise. But listen, what about the mentality that says instead of I get to do what I want, where I want, how I want, that the, I am placed there today to be a blessing. That I'm going to go into that restaurant today and I'm going to bless that waitress, that server. Server. I'm going to bless that server. She's going to be so thrilled. She's, I'm, going to, I'm going to be the best person she's ever waited on. But she's going to be, she's going to, the rest of the day, she's going to spend the rest of the day. They're going to spend the rest of the day thinking, wow, I wish I had that person every day. Man, I just wish that person. You know what we're going to do? We're going to bless them. We're going to come. How many people believe you carry? I believe we carry an impartation with us. I believe we can walk into a room and change the atmosphere of the room. Amen. I believe Jesus said, if you go into a city and that city will receive your peace, let your peace take over, right? Man, we can step in to a city. We can step into an atmosphere. We can step into a restaurant. And we don't have to take sides. We can take over, right? <laughs> so, and we can, we can make a difference. And we can smile at people. And we can wave at people. And we can, we can bless people. And we can encourage our server, you know, amen? And we can leave them a huge tip. I lost them right about there. They all fell off on me. They were with me for a minute. They were, we were almost there. We were almost there. Um, I'm serious. Just knock their socks off. Be so generous. Man, they'll be one. What in the world? What is wrong with those people? Did they really mean to put that extra zero on there? Did they? Man, it's about preference or placement. We are placed in the earth for such a time as this, guys. We're placed in the earth for such a time as this. Amen? Amen. And the only way, last of the three C's, okay? The only way that this can take place is if our life is centered on Christ. That's the only way we can do it. Anything other than Christ, anything other than His love and His grace and His power, we're just not going to make it. Paul said that. He says, I finished my course. I finished the ministry because Christ poured His life into me. He's the one that gave me. He says this. He says, I received from the Lord Jesus. I've received everything from the Lord Jesus so I can testify to the gospel of the grace of God. I'm not going to read it, but Luke chapter 14 talks about him, a person that he says, listen, I want you to count the cost. Because if you count the cost, if you count the cost, then you'll see whether or not you're able to, to finish the journey, to build the building, to go to war, so that you can win, be victorious. God's intention for you is to be victorious. God wants you to run the race, and He wants you to win the race. And so... No matter where you're at, no matter what's going on in your life, I'm telling you, today God's plan is for you to get up and to run and to win in Jesus' name. Amen?